that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those who have, you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be the one, may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture could be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you have taken them out, that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the, the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they may be sanctified. They too may truly be sanctified. Thank you, Jane. Well, good morning. Lovely to be with you. Let me add my welcome to Richard and Marks. My name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. It's really great that you're with us this morning. Um, if you're new or visiting here, it's great you're here uh, with us as well. We um, would love to introduce you to more about life at St. Paul's. If you'd like to find out more, do come and say hi to us afterwards. Um, and uh, if you want to sign up for any of the things that Richard or Mark has mentioned, there's uh, information in the welcome area or the table at the back. Uh, and there'll be people around just able to help you if you would need it. Why don't we pray before we begin this morning? Do you know, I wonder how you come to church this morning, whether you feel excited, whether you're wondering what might happen, whether you're hoping that God would speak to you. Jesus promised, my sheep hear my voice. So why don't we pray for ourselves this morning that we would hear the voice of God speaking to us. So Father, we ask in the name of Jesus and by your spirit that you would speak to us now. You take what Jesus said and what he prayed and you write it on our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Did anyone over the Christmas time see the TV show with Bear Grylls and Stephen Fry in the Italian Dolomites? Is that the right? Yes, good. Okay, if you haven't seen it, can I encourage you to watch it? I think it's on 4OD, the Channel 4 uh, On Demand thing. It's uh, basically a program, if you don't know who Bear Grylls is, Bear Grylls is a kind of uh, an adventurous kind of chap, ex-SAS trained, uh, loves the kind of outdoors, you know, extreme conditions. And he takes Stephen Fry, who is in every way his complete opposite. 
who hates the outdoors, does not do any exercise, terrified of heights and whatever else, and takes him to the Italian Dolomites, huge great mountains uh, in Italy. And Stephen Fry, his confession is, I really have no idea what I'm in for. Uh, and when he's taken and dropped on top of a glacier on top of the mountain, it says to Bear, I have no idea how I'm going to get home. I have no idea how I'm going to get down this. And if Stephen Fry had been left to his own devices, if he'd just been dumped on top of that mountain without Bear grills, we may not have any more Stephen Fry. I think that was his own admission. He wouldn't have got down the waterfall or crossed through the waterfall that he, and then climbed down a waterfall and then uh, slid down a kind of fairly sheer cliff and all, all sorts of things, incredible things that he himself said this, he didn't think he could do before he did it. But with Bear Grylls with him, leading the way, providing the rope, you know, showing him where to stand, giving him confidence, encouraging him, building him up, Stephen Fry the self-confessed couch potato, is able to get from the, from the top of the, uh, this huge mountain to the bottom in one piece. And to say it was one of the most exhilarating experiences of his life. I wonder how many of us look at life and think, I have no idea how I'm going to get to this next point, whatever that might be. I have no idea how I'm going to get a new job. I have no idea how I'm going to make this relationship really thrive. I have no idea how on earth I'm going to pass this next exam. I wonder how many of us have ever thought those questions. I wonder how many of us have have seen situations in front of us that feel really difficult or almost impossible and wondered, there's no way I can do this. Has anyone thought that before? Has anyone asked those questions? Is it just me? I don't think so. Jesus, in this passage that we've heard read this morning, it's the second part of three prayers that Jesus prays. The first is Jesus prays for himself. He prays for himself. If Jesus needs to pray for himself, boy, oh boy, do we need to pray for ourselves. But the second part, Jesus prays for his disciples. He prays for the 12 that are with him. But before that, the passage before that, the chapter before and chapter 16, in fact, chapter 14 to 16, Jesus tells us that he's leaving the disciples. He's going away from them. We know that he's going to the cross. He's going to lay down his life, a ransom for many, a sacrifice to set people free, to bring forgiveness of sins. And so he's leaving them. He's going to go back to be with his father. But he's not leaving them alone. He's sending his spirit to them. So his presence with them, who will teach them and lead them into all truth, remind them of all the things that Jesus taught. Be their comforter, be their empowerer, be the one who's with them. If we fast forward into Romans chapter 8, bear with me as we jump around just a moment. In Romans chapter 8, Paul is talking about this incredible relationship between the Son and the Spirit and the Father. What we know as the Holy Trinity, God himself. And and Paul in Romans 8 says this, he says that the Spirit is interceding for us. And a little later on he says that Jesus is interceding for us to the Father. What Paul is saying and what Jesus is saying as he prays for us is is this, a really important truth. It's a really simple thing. The Christian faith is really simple and this is a really simple truth. And maybe if you remember nothing else, I hope you do, but this is so, so crucial for us. God is for you. The Spirit is praying for you. The Son is praying for you right now. To the Father who loves you, who would do anything for you so that you can get down the mountain, 
so that you can survive the challenge, so that you can finish well. God is for you. If we remember that, as we look at the prayer that Jesus prayed, as we look at our own lives and wonder how we're going to get from A to B, we remember God is for us. If God is for us, who could be against us, Paul says. If God is for us, what could ever stop us, Paul says. So as we dig into this prayer, let's bear that in mind, that headline, God is for us. Jesus is about to be arrested and crucified. The cross is looming large and he's willing to give his life up for the sake of others. And he's about to leave his disciples. And he knows that he's leaving them in a hostile world, a place that's opposed to them. And as he leaves his disciples, he's leaving them to continue the work that he's been doing. To continue the work that he's been doing. Jesus has been forgiving people, setting the captives free, bringing hope to the hopeless, challenging injustice, bringing the rule and reign of God, known as the kingdom of God, uh, into this world. And he's praying for his disciples as they continue that purpose. Do you know each one of us has a purpose in life? None of our lives are accidental. None of our lives are incidental. None of our lives are to be dismissed. They're all important. We all have incredible eternal significance. God knows each one of us by name. And that's why Jesus prays for us. So what does he pray? Well, Jesus prays four things. Firstly, he prays for God's protection over his disciples. Secondly, he prays that their relationships would be united. Thirdly, he prays they'd be full of joy. And fourthly, um, he prays that they would be sanctified. Why does Jesus pray that the disciples would be protected? Because they have something to be protected from. The world, as John describes it here, is not just a kind of the, the kind of natural world in which we see. The world, as John describes it, as Jesus talks about it here, is, is a system that's opposed to God the Creator. Anything or anyone that's chosen darkness instead of light, has chosen oppression instead of justice, has chosen wrong instead of right, is what Jesus is describing as the world. It's a, it's, it's, it includes systems and powers and, and principalities and whatever else that's in opposition to the kingdom of God. Now we know, don't we, from John chapter 3 verse 16, God so loved the world. The word that John uses there in John 3.16 is the word cosmos. And that actually means the whole created order, everything included. Every human being, every person. But this word's slightly different. It means there's something that's opposed to the purposes of God. And now that Jesus has given his life to transform the world, this part of the world is opposed to God's will being done. That's why we as disciples... Jesus says about us that we're, not, we're, we're in the world, but we're not of it. What does he mean by that? Well, being in the world, being wherever we are, means that we, we, we're here. We're kind of like, we're residents, but we don't make our home here. We don't buy into the values of this part of the world. So we actually, we're counter-cultural. We seek to change and create a new kind of culture. A culture of inclusion and acceptance. A culture of love and of grace, of forgiveness, of a new start. Of hope, of equality. The values of the kingdom of God. We, we, and they oppose the values of the world. And that's why the disciples find themselves in need of Jesus' prayer for protection. Because when you fight injustice, injustice sometimes fights back. 
when you fight greed with generosity, sometimes greed fights back. Maybe we've had an experience of that. Just trying standing up for the right thing and found ourselves in more trouble than when we, before we started. It's important to stand up for the right thing, but sometimes it bites back. And that's why Jesus prays for protection. You know, Jesus' mission was, as John describes it in his letter, was to destroy the works of the devil, to oppose the evil one. And that's what he did ultimately in his sacrifice on the cross. He won a battle. He won the victory for us. And we know battle in our own lives, don't we? we you know, Stephen Fry's battle to get down the mountain may be kind of trivial and insignificant to some of the battles that we face in our own lives. Maybe financial difficulties, maybe relationships in trouble, illness or depression or anxiety or bereavement. I wonder what, you know, if we struggle with a temptation or addiction that seems to have control of our lives. Do you know all of the disciples struggled with different things like that? The disciples we read of in the New Testament. I wonder whether we even feel at this moment that the battle is raging. Well, Jesus prayed for your protection. He asked the Father to protect you. He asked the Father that we would be able to flee temptation. He asked the Father that discouragement wouldn't knock us out. He asked the Father that we would have strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Jesus is praying before the Father now for you and for me. I wonder whether some of these things are the things that he's praying at this moment. Jesus is reminding us in this prayer that God is greater than any enemy we might have and that he is with us by his spirit. Remember the headline, friends. God is for us. God is for us. So Jesus prays for protection. The second thing that Jesus prays, and we see this in the second part of verse 11, is that Jesus prays that we would be united Here's his prayer. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Why did Jesus pray for our relationships? Well, aren't relationships the most important thing in life? Relationships are what make life work. The Christian faith is about a relationship, not about rules. It's about a relationship with God through the person of Jesus. And we're made to be in community with others. And actually, that's so often, isn't it, where we find uh, life gets difficult in our relationships. The nitty-gritty of married life, the relationship we have with our children, in the workplace, with our neighbours. Human relationships are so important. That's why the greatest commandment is love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. You can't separate the two. Loving our neighbour is so important. Unity really matters. We see that in the life of Jesus. Jesus never did anything on his own. He had the 12 disciples with him plus a crowd of others who followed and he always involved other people in his life. He always involved other people in doing what he was doing. So when the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus really had a kind of small part to play. Probably a fairly important part to play but only a small part to play. The others got to do the stuff. Sending the disciples out, when they went out to do what Jesus had done, he sent them out in pairs. It's really important that we build and value community. Jesus is praying for our relationships. He's praying that our relationships will be strong. He's praying uh, for reconciliation, for where our relationships are broken down. Part of what Jesus did on the cross in dying for us, he broke the barrier that exists between us. Where relationships are broken down because of what Jesus has done, we're to seek reconciliation with one another. That's why one of, those, one of the most moving things you can watch on television and sometimes you catch the end of those shows where you know, long-lost siblings are suddenly united again. 
and I don't think I can ever help but you know, choke back a tear. When you see that happen, it's moving. Why? Because we see the importance of being in relationship with others. It's why, as Christians, we're to be known as peacemakers, to contend for the peace of broken relationships. I wonder if we're struggling in our relationships, whether we feel lonely. The Bible says that God sets the lonely in a family. Maybe we feel like we're the only Christian in our place of work or in a school or college or on our streets. You know, if we're called to embrace the challenge ahead of us, if we're called to do what Jesus did as he leaves, as Jesse left his disciples, they were called to do what Jesus did if, as we're called to do it. Um, we need more workers in the harvest field, don't we? And we pray uh, for unity in our relationships, for more to come and work with us. That's the second thing he prayed. The third thing he prayed was that we would be filled with his joy. I don't know about you, but discouragement is something that sometimes can knock, knock us sideways, can't it? Discouragement is a thing that can, can suck our energy. We, we try something and it fails. Uh, we, um, we attempt a new challenge and it all goes wrong. We, we, we start a new business and it doesn't quite work out the way we'd hoped. We, we're trying to build relationships with our neighbours and they're just not interested. We attempt a, a physical challenge to lose weight or to get fit and we get injured in the first week. And discouragement can knock the stuffing out of us. I think the thing that can counteract discouragement in our lives is having a life that's full of joy. Joy is more than happiness. It's more than, than just a sense of, well, today has gone well, so I'm happy. Joy is something more. I think joy is a deep sense of peace and of well-being, knowing that God is in control. The joy is knowing that whatever my present or my future seems to look like, God has something greater for me. Interesting, isn't it, that Jesus is described as someone being full of joy, but he experienced every human emotion from bereavement to grief to loss to pain to suffering to death. The writer of Hebrews says that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. The biggest challenge of his life the thing that when he was in Gethsemane led him to, to sweat drops of blood under incredible pressure. But for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. That joy of knowing what he would accomplish, that joy of knowing that God had a greater purpose in what he was about to do, that God would use his death, the death of his son, to redeem the world. And that joy enabled him to go through the most trying of circumstances. Nehemiah, wonderful hero in the Old Testament, reminded the Israelites that the joy of the Lord is your strength. All of us at different points get discouraged. All of us at different times take a hit. But if we have a life that's filled with his joy, we're able to keep going because we see there's something greater than the, the situation we face, ourselves, we face at this current time. So I wanted to ask us the question, how is our joy today? How would we describe our hearts? So we, do we have that sense of deep hope, peace and purpose, even if our immediate circumstances are pretty tricky? Because Jesus is praying that we will be filled with his joy today. Are we lacking strength for tomorrow? The psalmist tells us that in his presence there is fullness of joy. Lord, might you fill us more with your joy today.
And finally, the fourth thing that Jesus prays is that he prays that we would be sanctified by the truth. Who we are and who we're becoming is probably the most important thing about us. Our character and our inner life matters to Jesus because it shapes everything else. Um, you know, the world, I guess, or others might define us by how much money we earn, what job we have, the size of our house. Nella and I were in um, Barnes yesterday. Went to found this. I bought Nella one of those coffee shop books. You know, kind of coffee shop your way around London in a year. It's going to cost us a fortune, but I think it's going to be fantastic. But we were in Barnes yesterday. We found this beautiful tea room um, and went for a tea and, and realised the cakes were there, and oh, it was just terribly tempting. But we're walking along the River Thames or around uh, that part of Barnes. And you see the lovely houses on the river. You see the kind of really big gardens and, and, and suddenly you're walking around thinking, wouldn't it be lovely just to live in a house that we could do here like that? Wouldn't it be lovely to have a balcony that goes over the river? Wouldn't it be lovely to have more? Wouldn't it be lovely to have all of these things? You know, sometimes our hearts lead us to places we just long to have more. We long to have new things. We just long for the things that maybe come from greed or come from um, anger, come from selfish desire. I mean, that's a silly thing in one sense. But our hearts really matter to God. Our hearts really matter to him. Uh, and Jesus prays, sanctify them by your truth. What does the word sanctify mean? It sounds like a very religious word, doesn't it? Well, it means to, to set apart for a holy purpose to set apart for God's purpose. Jesus is praying for the disciples and for us and saying, set them apart, Father, for your holy purpose. Something was made holy so it could be used, often in the temple, for a particular purpose. And it was really valued and really treasured if it was made holy. You and I, in God's sight, through what Jesus has done, are sanctified, are set apart for a special purpose for God. Each one of us has an important part to play in his saving purposes in this world. Every single one of us here has something to offer. Every single one of us here is invited and included and encouraged and set apart for God's purpose. What might that be? Well, firstly, it's that our lives, our character would reflect the life of Jesus that we would respond in the way that Jesus would respond. That was he was praying, that we would imitate him. And the second thing is that we would do what Jesus did. So wherever we find ourselves tomorrow morning, it's trying to be like Jesus in how we respond to conflict in the workplace, how we, how we speak to those we meet uh, in everyday life, how we, we are with our, our husbands, our wives, our friends and our families. But it's also what we do. You know, I think it's... You see over the weekend on the news about the, the tragic death of Mark Duggan and the, and the controversy around that and the issue of injustice and the issue of, of what's happened and what's gone wrong and, and, you know, different sides have different opinions. But as Christians, we're called to stand in the middle of the mess and say, we want to make peace. When we find ourselves in situations of injustice, we want to bring justice. When we find ourselves... Uh, Amongst the poor, we want to bring hope. We're to do what Jesus did. We're to be like Jesus was. So Jesus prayed four things. He prayed, firstly, protect them from the evil one. In the battle, Jesus prayed, give them strength. The second thing, Jesus prayed that we'd be united. He's committed to our relationships. 
The third thing he prayed is that we would be filled with his joy. And finally, he prayed that we would be set apart for his purpose. I don't know for you today which one of those prayers really resonates. But I would wonder that one of them might. What I want to do just in a moment is just have a time of quiet. I'm going to invite us to stand and we're just going to reflect on those prayers. And actually, Jesus, I think, invites us to pray those prayers with him. To pray that we might be protected from the evil one. That we might be united in our relationships. That we might be uh, full of his joy. And that we might be set apart for a holy purpose once more. Let's stand together. We're going to pray.